Karen tries to scam me at my garage sale, so I end up giving away the things she wants. Here's what happened. Subscribe to Am I the Jerk on YouTube and hit the bell for notifications. Many years ago, we moved to another country, so when it was time to decide what we'd be packing into the shipping container, we pulled a lot of stuff to the side, as we knew all of our stuff would not fit in one container. We had a double garage, so we parked the cars in the driveway for over a week and started putting the things we weren't going to take in the garage for sale. Garage sale weekend comes around and the garage was packed with stuff. There were a lot of baby things that our then three-year-old no longer needed, including a bouncer, portable cot, stroller, things like that. These were all high-end pieces, because like most parents, we were afraid of getting cheap items that put our baby at risk. Plus a lot of other household things, like outdoor furniture, tools, bookshelves, crystal sets, you get the picture. We put an ad in the local paper advertising the garage sale at 7am. There were already people waiting outside. The prices were all reasonable because we wanted to sell everything in the garage, and for the most part, the garage was emptying nicely. The baby items were sitting along one wall when Karen comes in. How much for the baby items? The bouncer's $10, the portable cot is $40, and the stroller's $20. That's too expensive for old things. I'll give you $10 for the lot. No, these items are all in good condition, and the prices are fair. This is when Karen slipped up and said, I own a secondhand store, and I'm telling you, you're asking too much. Oh, now I see. You want my stuff for next to nothing, so you can make money from my things in your store. You can have all three for 50 or you can leave. Karen then proceeds to pick up those three items, telling me $10 is enough and that's all she's giving me. I told her unless she had $50 for those things, she could put them down and get out of my garage. She puts them down and informs me that she'll be back in a couple hours and when these items are still here, she'll take them all for five. I told her once again to get out and not come back. The garage sale was wrapping up in the afternoon, and we'd made a decent amount of money selling our old items. There were a few odds and ends left which we planned on giving to our friends. The baby items were still there, so I called my friend who had recently become a grandmother and asked if she'd like them. My friend was thrilled as her son and daughter-in-law both worked and she'd be looking after her grandchild during the day. This meant she would have her own set of things for the baby in her home, making it easier for her son and daughter-in-law. Just as my friend is loading the items in her car, along comes Karen. What are you doing? I wanted those things. Too bad, they're no longer for sale. How much did you con this poor person for? Free. I'm giving them to her. You can't do that. I offered you $10 for them. Actually, I can. They're still mine and I can smash them to pieces or give them away. You'd rather give them away than make $10? I wanted them first. You know the rules of selling. First is first served. There's also a thing called paying a fair price and you refused my price. See ya. I waved goodbye to my friend and as Karen started to follow me into the garage to see what else was left, I hit the remote to close the door. In the end, my friend wanted to thank us for giving her these baby items. So once our house was all packed up, she invited us over for dinner a few times so we wouldn't have to eat takeout every night. As far as I was concerned, that was a beautiful trade-off. The look on Karen's face was just a bonus. 
This woman's got a lot of guts to just walk up and offer you $10 for everything and pretty much turn around and say she's gonna resell it for more money. Like, you're only interested in it, Karen, because you know the value of it. And because you know the value, you're completely trying to lowball. Not gonna happen. As our original poster said, I'd rather smash it to pieces than give it to you. See if I care about your $10. You can submit your own stories to be featured here on the channel. The story submission link is in the description below. And don't forget to subscribe. Revenge is a dish best served small, adhesive, and impossible to remove. I just remembered something kind of funny from about 13 years ago. My sister was married to someone I shall call Major Jerkface. The guy was a mooch. He would brag about how much money he made, while hitting you up constantly for small loans. The one person I know who gave him a $25,000 loan never saw that cash again, because they were, unfortunately, too nice to sue family. Anyway, Major Jerkface got ticked off when I wouldn't loan him $40,000, and had been punishing me by not letting me see my nephew and niece. Major J wasn't my nephew's father, but he was my niece's father, and both still lived in his house. When a truce was arranged by my apologizing as sincerely as John Cleese did in A Fish Called Wanda's Window Scene, he allowed me to once again send gifts for birthdays and Christmas, but they needed to be arts and crafts type stuff, no electronics. So for my then extremely active four-year-old nephew's Christmas gift, I included a box of 1,000 stickers. I made sure they were all shapes and sizes, ugly as heck, and most importantly, that had been downvoted because reviewers reported them being almost impossible to remove. I hope that jerk still finds those things every so often to this day, and thinks of me when he does. This has got to be one of the best ways to get revenge on someone. You have a sleeper agent. They don't even know they're working for you. They're just doing what they would normally do. And meanwhile, your plan is all coming together. We all know how kids can be. Those stickers are going to be in the weirdest little corners of the house for years. I told my adopted cousin that she's the reason my husband and I have reconsidered adoption. I, 33-year-old female, have had fertility issues for the past couple of years with my husband, 35-year-old male. We went through with consultations, and while we had very promising results for treatment, the cost did give us pause. It wasn't that we couldn't afford it. We just weren't at the point yet where we were willing to pay. I discussed it with my husband, and we were both fine with the idea of adopting. My cousin Tiffany, 25-year-old, female is adopted, and she supported our choice in looking into it. However, this was a couple of years back, and during that time, Tiffany was reunited with her birth parents, and she's been acting pretty hurtful to my aunt and uncle since then. She keeps making posts about how happy she is to know where she comes from, and is happy about being reunited with her real family. She even talked about having her birth father walk her down the aisle as a chance to make up for lost time. Obviously, my uncle was very hurt about this, but when he voiced it, Tiffany got defensive. She called my uncle selfish, how this was about her, and that he knew what he signed up for when raising someone else's kid. Before the pandemic, Tiffany moved closer to where her biological mother lived, so they could make up for lost time. She kept making post after post about all the fun she was having meeting relatives, and how she called and video chatted with each of her biological parents multiple times a week. Meanwhile, she barely texted back my uncle and aunt once a month. 
I could tell how heartbroken my aunt and uncle were, but tried to give Tiffany her space, and the few times they said anything, she accused them of being selfish and unsupportive. I think the biggest thing that broke them was when Tiffany promised to come by for my aunt's birthday, and was even given the money to travel to them, but then never showed up. She literally called the day before to say that her biological mom had an emergency, so she wasn't going to make it, but notably didn't give back the money. I am completely disgusted by Tiffany's behavior, and while I haven't completely ruled out adoption entirely, I did want to give medical-assisted conception a try. My husband supported this, and we're now currently expecting. After we made our announcement, Tiffany messaged me asking why I would spend thousands on creating a child when I could have helped one who already existed. I tried to play it off, but Tiffany kept pressing and calling me a bad person when there are so many children who desperately need a home and overpopulation. It got to the point where she was ticking me off, and I just came clean and said that her behavior towards the people who loved and raised her was the reason. Tiffany got really upset, but I didn't care. However, her parents are now starting to say that I was wrong. So, am I the jerk? No, not a jerk at all. Someone had to say it to this kid. That's great that you've established a relationship with your birth parents, but you can't forget about the people who acted as your mother and father all of your childhood. They loved you and supported you and gave you everything you needed. Your birth parents just biologically conceived you. They didn't do any of the actual mothering or fathering. Your adoptive parents are much more entitled to that title than your birth parents ever were. I can only imagine how hurt is that he doesn't get to walk her down the aisle. Of course, with her behaving like this, maybe he doesn't even want to be at the wedding. It just goes to show that everything gets taken for granted eventually. A customer came in asking if I could make her ice cream crunchy. You know what, lady? I gotcha. Briefly during the pandemic, I worked as a manager at Ralph's, a New York City area ice cream chain. And one night as I'm helping out scooping, I hear a customer getting annoyed at the window and starting to get snippy with one of the young kids who was working there. So I head over to smooth out the situation as manager. The woman is mad because the hot fudge on her hot fudge sundae is hot and going to melt the ice cream. I explain to her that hot fudge is indeed served hot, but she insists that I make her a new sundae with magic shell topping instead and let her keep the hot fudge one. By the time I return with that, this customer is stirring her spoon through another cup of ice cream, kind of like a sherbet she ordered, obviously about to complain about it. The flavor she ordered was called graham crunch, and she proceeded to tell me that there wasn't any graham crunch in it, that she orders this flavor all the time and she knows that I'm intentionally stiffing her. I tell her that this is just how the flavor is, and I don't name or make the ice cream, but she isn't having it. She wants me to fix it. We've got some crushed graham cracker topping in the back, so as she's berating me, I just walk away from her and grab the entire container and come back to the window with it. At this point, we've got a line of people down the block because this lady has held us up, so there are lots of witnesses to what I was about to do. Without breaking eye contact with her, as she continues to tell me that I'm wrong about the ice cream I scoop six days a week, I open the container and empty the entire thing over her cup of offending ice cream. 
Graham crackers are everywhere. Her ice cream is definitely crunchy now. She loses her mind at this and starts yelling at me that she knows the owner and will get me fired. I tell her, yeah, Steve's a nice guy. And she responds with, I've known Steve a long time. To which I respond, well, his name is John. Get out of here and don't bother my employees for free ice cream again. Now sufficiently embarrassed in front of a long line of customers, the lady leaves in a huff and indeed never returns. The next few customers left us $20 tips in the jar to make up for her. So the kids who worked for me left with quite a bit more in their pockets than they normally would and realized that their manager had their back. I'll always take care of the jerk. I think that's a trick that every single person in retail needs to start employing with Karens. You throw out a name and they'd be like, yeah, I know that person. And yeah, sorry, he doesn't exist. Thank you. Goodbye. There's no real coming back from that on her part. You're very clearly full of crap and need to stop making everyone around you's lives miserable. You're holding up all these people behind you because you want some free ice cream. You literally have no consideration for others. Honestly, this whole thing is just sickening. I'm losing faith in humanity, you guys. I was going to fix a problem for my new jerk manager, but he told me I'm not paid to think. Whilst working in a job that I've been doing for 15 years, the company brought in a freshly manufactured degree-waving manager. Any problems within the production area, I was always called in to troubleshoot for them and get things moving again. Mr. Jerk, the new manager, asked me what I was doing one day, and I told him that I was just thinking how to resolve a recurring issue in production. His response was, we don't pay you to think. Get back to your own job. Okay, Mr. Jerkface, on my way. Two hours later, I get a call from the production supervisor asking for help, as line six was down again. Sorry, Steve. Call Mr. Jerk. He's in charge, and apparently I'm not paid to think. Mr. Jerk calls me to the office. He's a rare shade of red with anger. He informs me that I need to go sort out the issue in production. Sorry, sir. I can't do that, as I don't get paid to think, and leave his office, smiling all the way back to my department. Line six in production is shut down for two whole shifts, with people standing around scratching their heads. The managing director comes to visit the next day and wants to know why the line is shut off. The maintenance guy tells him he can't understand why it won't work properly. The managing director asks if I had had a look yet. The maintenance guy says that I won't come over because apparently I'm not paid to think. The managing director asks who the heck said that to me. Maintenance guy tells him Mr. Jerk told me that when I had just helped them out the other day. The managing director calls calls Mr. Jerk to the line and tells him that I'd been with the company since he founded it and I know more about this production facility than the people who designed it. And what the heck are you doing telling long-term staff that they're not paid to think? The managing director calls me to ask if I can help out as a favor to him. I came across and spent five minutes realigning a couple of sensors and the line was restarted. The managing director takes me to lunch, offers me an extra 150 bucks a week, and tells me that the only person I answer to in the future is him and only him. To this day, Mr. Jerk still scowls whenever I see him around. 
you gotta value your employee's experience. This guy's been with the company for 15 years. The owner says that he knows the machines better than the people who make it. When people work with this stuff day in and day out for that amount of time, they learn all the little things about it. That's not something to be discounted or to take for granted and you think you know better just because you have a degree. No degree is gonna top real world experience. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, you learn way more actually doing something than you do by just reading about it. Entitled parent brings child to my bar and then complains about the fact that we serve alcohol. Some quick backstory, I work at an alcoholic bar that essentially turns into a club at night. This man just came in with his toddlerish kid, ordered a crap ton of beers and essentially let the toddler run around my bar to do whatever it wants. It made its way behind the bar while I was in the bathroom on my break and hit its head on something. Imagine my surprise when I exit the bathroom and immediately get yelled at by this guy about how the child's misadventurous accident was my fault. The exact quote is, This place is not fit for a child. There's too much alcohol and wires behind the bar. Maybe because I run a bar, not a daycare. Essentially, I hate kids and incompetent entitled parents. I mean, you shouldn't be bringing your kid to a bar in the first place. Surely there's somewhere better that he could be. And if you have to go to the bar and the kid's allowed to be in there, then at least keep an eye on them. Don't be getting stupid drunk and leaving your kid to run around all over the place. The employees don't get paid to babysit your children. Jerk from the homeowners association gave my dad a hard time about his pool, so my dad converted the pool into a pond. This story is not mine, but my dad's. He passed away four years ago at the age of 64, like his father, grandfather, and great-grandfather. All down the paternal line, all firstborn sons. All of different things. When I get to 64, I'm gonna be pretty nervous. Anyway, to the main story. Many years ago, it became law that all swimming pools need to be fenced separately. The fact we lived in a fully fenced property with a gate was not enough. The swimming pool needed its own fence. Dad ignored the rule, as we didn't really use the pool anymore. Approximately 30 feet long and 10 feet wide and 6 feet deep in the shape of a kidney. I swam at nationals a couple of times and my brother was able to bob along pretty well, but we didn't have any young children come to the house. None of our friends had children. Zero point in fencing it in. A couple of years after it became law, the council started doing inspections to make sure that pools were fenced. The guy was a typical council employee, strutting around in his fiefdom, flexing his muscles and threatening fines in court and things like that. Dad got some quotes to have it fenced, which were pretty expensive, as the hard paving surrounding the pool was curved, and the fence couldn't be a typical wooden fence, as A, wood doesn't follow curved contours easily, and B, the council bylaw wouldn't allow it, as little kids, who were non-existent at our house, could climb the fence using the cross member to get a footing. So dad kind of ignored the issue for a while until the council guy came back and again started threatening and again gave dad 30 days or something like that to remedy the issue and sort out the swimming pool. 
Dad started researching and came up with a solution. The council guy came back 31 days later and was furious that the pool wasn't fenced. Dad took him out to the pool. The approximately 30 feet long and 10 feet wide and 6 feet deep shape of a kidney pool. He showed the council guy the dozen or so fish and water lilies that now occupied the pool, thus turning it into a fish pond. A pond that was the same size and depth as the swimming pool it used to be, which under the law did not and still doesn't need to be fenced. Game, set, match, jerk. I totally get where you're coming from that this is a headache, but at the end of the day, there could just be kids in your neighborhood that jump into the backyard and hop in the pool. It does happen. There are always going to be some kids who are willing to try and pull a stunt like that. I feel like maybe that's more what the fence is supposed to be for, but I understand that it's an expensive and unnecessary cost on your end. It sucks to just have to get slammed with that and deal with it. Thankfully, your dad was thinking outside the box, and you know what? it actually completely works out. You want to get petty over technicalities? We can get petty over technicalities. My ex-husband complained about having to pay $89 in child support a month, so I got him fired from his job. My ex is an abusive piece of crap, and we had a kid together, unfortunately. I left him while I was pregnant, but I would take the baby to see him on his lunch hour occasionally. He paid $29 US a month in child support for a very long time. I got that reviewed when he got that new job, and it went to $89 a month. When he found out how much, it went up, he threw a screaming temper tantrum in his work and chased me out of the building with our nine-month-old. We had family court a few days later, and he blamed me for everything. He even got his friend to lie and say he was there and I started it. The judge thankfully didn't believe him, but I was told to continue these terrible visits at his work. It was a furniture rental store, and he would constantly badmouth customers in very detailed ways. The next and last time I took our baby there, I sat down with a small notepad and wrote down the names he and the other person said, how many months they were behind, how much they said they owed, and every name he and his buddy called every single person. There were quite a few racial slurs said that day. When time was up, he had to leave, and I told his boss. The boss didn't do a thing. I knew three people. People he was bad-mouthing, and I knew how to get in touch with five or so others. I worked my way through that list, telling people exactly how their personal financial info was being released and the names they were being called. He and his buddy lost their jobs the next day, and the owner filed a restraining order against them. I didn't feel bad for that jerk at all. Yeah, I wouldn't feel bad either. $89 a month is absolutely nothing. If he's going to complain about that, then I don't know what to tell you. Clearly, that job wasn't doing much for him in the first place. Who gives a crap if he got fired? He sounds like a crappy, toxic person anyway. At least you made the right call about getting out of the relationship with him while you could. When you subscribe, make sure to hit the bell to turn on notifications. Put the playlist on in the background to finish listening to all the stories, linked at the top of the description. And if you like Am I the Jerk, give Am I the Genius a shot, linked in the description as well. Either way, thanks a lot for watching, and we'll see you guys next time.